the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, here it is a Thursday, and it's going to be interesting to see how the day goes today because it's going to be a lot chillier today than it was yesterday. Again, yesterday I went out for my my, my after, afternoon walk, and uh, I do about two and a half miles in the afternoons, and um, it was 70 degrees. Not going to be that today. They're saying like in the 40s, and that wind was whipping out there this morning so it'll be chilly doing the walking today well let's welcome jr davis uh to the show he joins us today jr how are you well i'm doing pretty good dave uh, i know you said you were busy yesterday right it's been a uh busy i guess we're almost about right at the halfway mark uh, as far as the numbers uh, of days for the session so it's a uh, uh it has been very busy and it will only get busier from this point out yesterday seth Bays was here along with the uh the chairman of the arkansas gop uh janelle fulmer and he told me that it's not the Gilmore Group anymore; it's the Gilmore Davis Group. Is that right? <laughs> that is right. Yes, sir. Congratulations! Is, uh, I appreciate that. It's been a uh, a really good uh, kind of start to the new year, and um, things are doing going well. And so, we got a lot to be thankful for. Well, it's fantastic, and congratulations! And uh, appreciate that, buddy. I'm, I'm really. Uh, happy and and proud that you've done so well uh in in this field it is not an easy field to do well in i'm learning that (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of work man i'm telling you what it's hard it's hard work that's right all right so yesterday let's talk a little bit about what's going on at the uh the capitol yesterday the stand your ground bill uh got onto the uh, house floor and it passed with a big vote i mean it's like what 72 yay votes one present and the rest nay but i mm-hmm. mean uh, well over anything that the governor could ever overcome if he vetoed it that's right that's right yeah the governor's and uh, you know i think a lot of uh folks don't know that the governor's veto power is uh just could be overturned with just a simple majority vote of you know 51 so um that's right that's that's a significant margin above that threshold yeah do you think that that's something that maybe and i doubt that the legislature would take it up but maybe should be changed perhaps the governor should be given a tad bit more power on the veto 
I mean, I I think so as far as for you know, especially for uh, uh, you know. Well, I'll say this. I mean, obviously, I believe in co-equal branches of government. Right. Um, the legislature, uh, the executive branch, both have uh, responsibilities. Um, you know, I do think that. Uh, the veto power of the governor should be enhanced just to provide uh, a little more accountability over the legislature because we all know they have quite a bit of accountability over the governor's office. Um, But I imagine in this environment, Dave, uh, as you know, I don't think the uh, legislature is in the business right now of, of giving the governor extra uh, extra power. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> so, well, I think, yeah, I, th- I think they're, I think that ship is sailed for the time being, but, but yes, I do think to have a more functional, uh, you know, just oversight from the executive branch, uh, that threshold should be increased. So what do you think is uh, going to happen here in, in the second half? I mean, look, Hendren has, said look i'm starting common ground i'm going to be a uh an independent i'm not going to be part of the republican party are you expecting him to unveil this hate crime legislation or is that basically doa right now are you you mean as far as jim hendren goes yeah like the hate crime i you know look um you could add a couple questions there about you know what kind of to expect from here on out, but I'll say about the hate crimes. Yeah, I don't expect. I expect there to be something that comes up, um, but it, you know I don't think it will have Jim Hendren as the uh, sponsor. I don't know that he'll be involved in it. You know, you know from from that perspective, he may still support it or whatever. But I do think there may be another bill that surfaces uh in the legislature that that many of them can live with it may just reflect the federal law that's already in statute something's like that that's what i expect to happen i don't expect uh hindrance bill to go anywhere or for anything else to um come out uh you know from him as far as hate crimes go but that's just me me guessing but that's what i expect to happen with that when you when you've talked to people about this, because I've talked to a lot of senators, a lot of House members, I haven't found one uh, that's in the Republican Party that supports this legislation. Do you think that perhaps that caught the executive branch a little bit flat foot? I, I think there was probably an initial surprise at uh, the amount of pushback. I mean, look, I was with the governor when uh, he announced the hate crimes legislation um, back in spring of 2019. It was actually at a, at a meeting up in Rogers. Uh, the attorney general was there uh, and voiced her support for it at the time uh, and still supports it. But um, it was uh, so it's been a very I mean, it's been a long almost two years since the governor announced uh you know his his intent and uh and and his goal of of getting hate crimes legislation passed um and so you know i think initially look i think there's a lot that goes into this hate crimes the angst against it dave and you know one would be uh there there are some members who just fundamentally oppose it uh Mm -hmm. they all have their reasons Uh, some of them are the same some of them are not um the other is 
I think there's just some frustration maybe by some members as to how this legislation was rolled out um, with, you know, uh, Democrats uh, having, you know, at least in their minds and what they've heard, uh, you know, and how you know how that works in the Capitol. But what they've heard is that some Democrats were involved in crafting this legislation and then Jim Hendren's the one that was carrying it, and there's some, you know, I think just some angst among some members, not all members, but some members with with Jim. And so, you know, I think that really is what put it in such a, uh, you know, the legislation in peril to begin with was just basically this was something Democrats were working on with Jim Hendren. Um, if it had been the other way, if Republicans had been pulled in on this and they had written something, you know, uh, back in the summer of 2020 and had it ready to roll for 21 or something like that, uh, or even, I guess, even before, whenever they, before they had the announcement where they rolled it out uh, with Hendren and Joyce Elliott. So, yeah, this would have been back in 2019. Um, so before they did all that, if Republicans had been looped in and they were working on it and they found something they could live with, I actually think it, it would have passed. Uh, or would pass in this session, and I think there would be more, a great deal more support for it if that had been the case versus, you know, what actually happened. Now, you explain to me because this is what I've heard, and you tell me if what I've heard is correct or not according what you've heard as well. I've heard that the main push for this bill is that every other state basically has one, and there have been some businesses that have evidently contacted uh, the governor's office and said, hey, we can't do business there because you don't have one of these pieces of legislation. Is that what you're hearing? Uh, I think that's a a big part of it, but I'll kind of correct a little bit there. I mean, at least from what what I know to be true is is that yes, Arkansas is as of right now one of three states without a hate crimes uh, law on on the books. The other there's uh, I believe after after this session there will be two. Uh, I mean, and I'm including Arkansas in this, so we would be one of only two states without a hate crime law on the books. Uh, you see a lot of states that just mirror the federal hate crime uh, law. As far as businesses, you know, pressuring the governor's office or, uh, you know, members with, if this doesn't pass, we're not going to do business in Arkansas. Well, we've seen this before. We've heard it before. And unless Tim Cook is deciding to put, you know, an, an Apple headquarters in Little Rock, I would say, you know, uh, you know, you know, calm down, you know, chill out. It is what it is. Um, I don't think that the threat of we can't do business here if you don't have this is what uh, is pushing uh, pushing this forward. I think the governor specifically believes in it, absolutely, and just thinks that we don't need to be an outlier here as states. It does help with economic development. It's, it's not a... Um, uh, a quote unquote black eye on the state it's it's just it's one less little thing that that has to be you know pulled out and pointed back at Arkansas and say, well, you don't you have this, you're blah 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 blah. I think that's really what his his focus is when when existing businesses reach out or CEOs here in Arkansas that live in Arkansas that are homegrown companies reach out and say, hey, we'd really like to see this pass. Yeah, I think that does move the needle a little bit as far as that support. But I don't think the pressure of 
we can't be here if this is, you know, if, if, if the legislature doesn't pass it. I think that's just a typical uh, C-suite type strategy where they, they can threaten to pull their business out. Most of the case, 99% of the time, it's, uh, you know, uh, as a nod to Joe Biden, just a load of malarkey. Um, and I think that they just, uh, uh, it's just a threat. It's an empty threat. And, and that's what I, and, and that's what I expect. So to continue to happen. All right. J.R. Davis is with us. We'll get back and talk further with him. Want to talk to him more about Jim Hendren and what he thinks his end game is. Want to talk about the uh, Arkansas uh, Women's uh, Caucus or Coalition and the uh, Arkansas Gen- uh, Attorney General uh, taking a stand against boys playing girls sports. We'll talk that as well. As we continue, J.R. Davis from Gilmore Davis. All right. It's kind of cool to say that. All right. We'll take (laughs) a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Don't forget about P.I. Roofing. P.I. Roofing do a great job. We'll do a great job. Let me talk proper English here. We'll do a great (laughs) job. They will do a great job on your roof for you. My tongue getting in front of my eye teeth. We're going to tell you. Uh, they have been doing this for a long time. Uh, Joel Johnson, if you know anything about his history, worked for other roofing companies, decided he wanted to do it def- uh, differently and give better customer service, uh, would drive around subdivisions and could look at people's roofs and tell them they had, tell that they had problems, would go up, knock on the door, get on top of the roof and show them the problems work with the uh, insurance companies and get it fixed for them. That's where the whole branding statement came from of roof leak detectives uh, for PI roofing. Well, they just continued to grow over the years, now nearly, I think, 20 years now. uh, And they've just done major, major things for the roofing industry. He uh, continues to push for uh, bigger and better professional, uh, I guess, uh, actions by roofing companies. He tries to protect you from people who show up from out of state after a tornado or or serious uh, uh, weather uh, issues and keep them from coming here into the state and saying, hey, we'll save you a whole lot of money, and then they ended up, uh, not doing the jobs hardly at all. So, you know, Joel Johnson's serious about the roofing industry. He's integrated that into his own company, and that means that you get great service and you get professional repairs. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551 is their number, 707-3551 or piroofing.com. All right, back with you. We continue with our uh, Thursday edition of our time with J.R. Davis with the Gilmore Davis Group. Uh, Seth is not here today since he came in yesterday with the uh, GOP chair man, uh, Janelle uh, Fulmer. She said she wanted to be known as the chair man, not chairwoman, chairperson, all the other politically correct things that we could say. <laughs> So, uh, you know, she just wants to be known as the uh, chairman. She uh, 
announced yesterday uh, she's going to be uh, attached to a new GOP national uh, group that will be working on election integrity. Uh, the uh, Republican Party has taken that as a serious, serious step that they're going to be able to, uh, to do to go to these states that are governed by Republican legislatures and governors and try to tighten up these election laws to the way they should be. And uh, I think that's a good thing for them to do, although the the other side will say, yeah, you just want to you know clean the rolls and get rid of uh, proper voters and all of that. We'll hear the same same argument that we always hear from the other side which is do nothing just make it easier so that uh, you know uh, cheating can happen easier so with with that uh, in mind uh, that's a good move i think for the national party don't you uh jr yeah and you know i think something to remind uh you know listeners out there although the democrats you know, in 2020, they took the White House. Uh, they, you know, took eventually took the Senate. They lost a lot of seats in the House, but still have the House. There's all this talk about, you know, how many Democrats are in Washington. Well, that's all, you know, uh, you know, that's all factual and all, and and all good for Democrats. But here's here's the real kicker: the Democrats did not pick up a single state legislature. Uh, in 2020, they lost seats in state legislatures in 2020. Um, and that's very significant to the point Dave just made, which was, uh, you know, there's this push by you know the, the Republican Party nationally in these other states uh, to push some election integrity measures. And that's where that happens. It happens at the local level. It happens uh, at the state level with these uh, state assembly men and women um, that can actually do something about it, and so it's it's a really good opportunity for Republicans to uh, accurately sort of you know or take a step back and and really sort of accurately approach what took place in November. Look at the data, figure out what is the biggest cause of fraud, uh, or what what is uh, most easily used uh, as a mechanism of fraud. Um, and fix those things before we get to the next election. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, uh, I think it's a smart move by the party. I think we absolutely need to look at that. Um, and, and, and again, it's not, it's not crying fraud. It's not saying that there was this wide amount of fraud uh, in, in uh, across the country in 2020 as far as the election goes. But, but it did bring up a lot of questions, and we have questions right here at home uh, yep. with with Pulaski County, and we read about it in the paper day after day. I mean, you could stream the the meetings live. I mean, it was a bit of a cluster, and 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 there were a lot of questions involved, you know. And was there intent? You know, I don't know. It just looked like there was a, a good amount of. Of, of, of negligence, really, uh, when it comes to the process here in Pulaski County. But again, it begs the question, and it should be looked at. And if there are things we can do to short the integrity of our elections, we should absolutely do it. Republicans should leave because we know Democrats won't. Well, here's the key. I mean, talking Pulaski County, we talked about that yesterday uh, with Janelle and with Seth Mays. And it was brought to my attention, I always thought you had to now present 
uh, a photo ID to be able to vote. That's not true. There's a caveat within the law that says that if you don't have a photo ID, you can sign a piece of paper that says I'm this person and still go ahead and vote. So why have a vote? You know why have a photo ID law in the first place? So they're trying to tighten that one down. And in fact, some of the uh, uh, stuff that happened with the uh, Sorvila case is uh, because of that, and because when you look at the laws or and uh, look at the maps. One side of the street should have been in a certain district and wasn't. And we can get into the next uh, half hour and talk a little about redistricting. Those are things that we've got to get involved in and get uh, fixed as well. we got to clean our own house first. That, uh, that I do believe, Jr. So let's come back. We'll talk about Jim Hendren. We'll talk about boys uh, playing girls sports. We'll talk about what's going on with the uh, Powers Act. Uh, in the uh, state legislature and we'll talk about redistricting a lot on our plate on the dave ellswick show we're back with you dave ellswick show i say we because jr davis is here as well he is uh, joining me he's with the gilmore davis group and uh, we're going to talk some more local politics that's something we like to do on the dave ellswick show because i believe that's where you can make the most changes uh, and the easiest uh, changes. Uh, think about this. You have four congressmen for nearly 500 congressional uh, people uh, in Congress in Washington, D.C. You got two senators for 100. Uh, here you get a senator for 35 and a senator, or pardon me, a House member uh, for uh, 100. So and you can call them up pretty easily and talk to them and discuss things with them and try to make some changes happen as well. Uh, big news this morning, if you haven't heard, the Stand Your Ground legislation passed yesterday significantly when it was on the floor, which I expected it to do. I always knew that the whole uh, question was, could they get it through the Senate and the uh, House Judiciary Committees, and they were able to do that. Now, help me on one thing uh, on this uh, uh, piece of legislation, if you would, Jr. Did they add the language that Gun Owners of America had wanted, or uh, did they leave it the way it was initially and got it through the uh, uh, Judiciary in the House? Yeah, that's a that's actually a great question, Dave. I don't know. I haven't really been keeping up with uh, the Sandra Ground bill uh, as it's been moving uh, through this session, um, but I know that was obviously a big point of contention. So I, I don't know. I need to read the article that was in the paper this morning, and it might be able to uh, address a few of those concerns. But that was certainly a big uh, a big part of of the overall debate uh, after it got initially through uh, the Senate side. Well, here's here's the key. We got it through, and stand your ground now is part of our, uh, you know, governmental lexicon, so to speak, here in the state. So we didn't let the perfect upend getting something good done. 
because sometimes the perfect gets in the way of the good. So uh, l- let's keep our fingers crossed right. that they keep that kind of stuff in mind. All right, let's talk about Jim Hendren. I mean, I talked about him for a half hour yesterday, talked about him for uh, almost uh, an hour on Monday. Uh, if he was wanting to get, uh, you know, uh, advertising out there about his common cause, he got plenty of press uh, about it. But what's his end game, do you think, uh, Jr.? I mean, you you sit with what you do, and you, you look at people and try to figure out what they're trying to say they want to be as far as, you know, a political figure here in the state, or they want to bring about a piece of legislation or whatever. What's Jim yeah. Hendren thinking? Or is he just making a last gasp, you know, straw grab here well I, you know i think the probably most accurate answer to that question is you know jim hendren I be, he's about the only person that probably knows <laughs> what he's thinking at this point um I, you know i would say and i mean that you know basically because i just i you know i don't know what his ultimate end game is you know i, I know that obviously I, I watched the video you watched the video the the yep. nine minute video and um, you know, and he, he kind of outlined the reasons why he was making the decision. And, and, and you know, I, it's a, it was a surprise. Um, I'd heard some rumblings that, you know, he may run for governor as an independent. But I'll be honest, you know, when, I, uh, when, when he announced it, I was a little taken aback. I mean, I, you know, I come from the, uh, uh, you know, the way I think about it, Dave, is, you know, if you have some issues with your party, you have some issues with party leadership, you know, I think you can, you can, you know, affect change, uh, you know, the best way within the party, you know, you stay with the party, the party's a, especially the Republican party. It's a, it's a, it's a big party. There's a lot of differing opinions and you fight for those opinions. Um, and, and that's how you do it. Uh, I, I don't, I, you know, I was disappointed to see him actually leave the party uh, as a whole, but, you know, less about what I think. And I'll just tell you, you know, I think that, you know, Jim Hendren has to decide uh, if he wants to run for governor. He He's probably, um, you know, I think he's realistic enough to know that there's no pathway to win the governor's race uh, as an independent. Um, you know, can he pull votes away from candidates? Maybe. Um, but again, I think at the end of the day, Republicans are, are going to vote for the Republican and Democrats are going to vote for the Democrat. But what I will tell you is, you know, I think that he will have funding uh, if he decides to do personal. And then I think out of state, I think there's different groups that would love to back an, an independent bid by a former Republican, uh, you know, that, that don't, you know, and I'm talking about groups that don't like Donald Trump or, or the um, you know, uh, Trump voters and that sort of thing. And so I think there's, a, there's, there will be resources. Uh, and, and quite frankly, if he wants to be part of the public debate uh, all the way through November of 2022, he can do that as an independent candidate. You know, there will be debates and, and um, there will be uh, opportunities for him to voice uh, his concern with whatever's going on. And so being an independent candidate will give you that platform. Uh, throughout the summer and into the fall. Uh, you know, I think, Dave, probably the only real way for, you know, I, and I will say I expect the Common Ground AR or Common Ground Arkansas, what, however you say it, 
I expect there to be more news that comes out of that uh, in the next, you know, over the next several weeks in the session, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, who all is involved, if if more candidates uh, for statewide office uh, are announced as, as part of that uh, common ground group. Um, I do expect to hear more about that in the coming weeks, and, and I'll leave it here. Um, the only way I think that this this group and, and, and Senator Hendren can get traction on this type of announcement is to have a common ground Arkansas candidate for every open statewide office uh, because that's, that shows, you know, and again, I'm just saying what, what I would do if I were to do this, I'd never do it. But I think you'd have to have <laughs> an independent candidate for every open seat going into the fall of 2022 to show our Kansans that there is a third choice um, and that, uh, you know, this is this looks more like a party than a one off uh, decision by a former Republican senator. That's what I think needs to happen for Senator Hendren in order to sort of effectuate some sort of change or create some sort of momentum. Will it make a difference? I don't expect it to. But I'm just saying, otherwise, you know, it's going to be a, a very, very quick flash in the plan, a flash in the pan uh, come, you know, the general election in 2022. All right. So let me ask you, I've heard, I've heard a rumor, and let me bring it mm-hmm. up to you. I bet you you've heard it too. I've heard Davy Carter's going to run for AG, on the common cause uh, platform, is that what you're hearing? You know, I I have heard that. I mean, probably from the same people you hear it from. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would probably, you know, if I was, uh, you know, if I if I had five dollars to bet, and 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 that was that was the buy-in, I would I would probably bet that he would run. Uh, uh, as, as you know, on that sort of ticket, but you know, you, you don't, you never know. Um, I, I do honestly expect uh, what I just said to probably be some sort of uh, focus uh, for Common Ground Arkansas to to field a candidate uh, for every uh, open statewide race uh, heading into 2022, because again, it just gives you more credibility or I mean, if that's the right word, but you know what I'm saying? It just gives yeah. you a little more momentum, uh, with Arkansas voters and, and even with the press. I and mean, it takes you a little more seriously, you know, with, with the press as well. So I, I, I'm not, obviously, obviously I'm not involved in any of those conversations. I have no idea what common ground Arkansas is going to do. Um, but I do think that there will be a lot of news coming out of that. Hey, let me ask one last question on this. How about them getting ballot access? Do they got to go out and collect signatures to be able to get on ballot? Yeah, that's a really great question. I would imagine they would, um, just like, you know, we do for the Green Party and and the uh, uh, and Libertarians. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, I I don't know. It's a very good question, Dave, because I don't know what stipulates – you know, an independent bid versus, uh, you know, a party bid, because, you know, technically with, with a Green Party candidate or a Libertarian candidate, it's a it's a candidate from uh, from a party. I, I don't know. I honestly don't have the, the answer. So maybe that's something we can track down. But but I would probably lean towards, yes, they would have to do something like that uh, to, to get ballot access. And, and maybe that makes things 
more difficult. And, and if that is the case, then, you know, maybe it becomes a little more difficult to uh, recruit candidates. But again, you know, this is like above my pay grade, you know, we'll see, we'll see exactly what happens uh, in the next few weeks, but I do expect more news to come out. And I will tell you this, I think it's going to be probably the most interesting uh, election cycle that Arkansas has seen in some time. All right. Let's take a break. we got to get another uh, break in here, and then we'll come back and finish up. When we come back, let's talk about the AG and the uh, Republican Women's Caucus, and they are attacking the folks that want to let uh, transgender boys uh, compete in women's sports in high schools and college athletics. We'll talk about all of that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You heard a spot just a little bit ago with David Lucas talking about retirement. He talked about four things you had to consider. Well, he's got a brochure out called the Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist, and it has 31 questions in it uh, that you should be able to have a fair grasp on if you're looking to uh, retire anytime soon and i would think that if you're past 50 you should be thinking anytime soon if you're past 40 you should be looking at these questions as well and starting to formulate uh, those answers that you need because if you don't know the answers to this information uh, you could end up Uh, watching your retirement go off the rails and you don't want that to happen it's the ultimate retirement planning checklist if you'll just call and be one of the first 10 callers today and i you know you can call right now and leave a message you'll be one of the callers Uh, 501-222-3315 that's 501-222-3315 3315 or go online to davidlucasfinancial.com and ask them about this particular uh, information. That's davidlucasfinancial.com. Nine minutes until seven o'clock. J.R. Davis is here with us from Davis uh, Gilmore or Gilmore Davis. Who's who's got the first name? Is it Gilmore and then Davis, yeah, or Davis Gil- and then Gilmore? Oh, it's it's uh, definitely Gilmore first. So. Okay, all right. Just one, just wanted to make sure there. I had to be sure. Yeah. Uh, I just got a text from a, a a person who I I respect and know that they wouldn't lead me wrong. The uh, gun owners of Amer- of America amendment uh, for Bob Ballinger's. Uh, stand your ground bill was not included it failed in committee so uh ballinger's bill went forth to the uh, floor as written and passed overwhelmingly so uh that that uh, is near done now the big question was and the person said this will the governor sign it i don't foresee the governor not signing this I mean, he's not going to veto it. They can override it easily. Uh, now, he can allow it to become law without his signature. I think he signs this. I'll, I may be wrong, but I think he'll sign it. What do you think? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. You know, I haven't had any direct conversation. And obviously, he's got a staff that, 
he'll visit with about it. But, you know, I, I, I would expect him to sign it, you know, and I think that, um, you know, the work that Senator Ballinger, you know, put into this, and we, we've talked a lot about the language used and, and, and how it was written. And I think that, um, you know, I think he did a nice job of, of uh, writing it in a way that was, uh, you know, would kind of uh, stand the test of time, if you will. Um, I think that, that there were some issues that he addressed and he fixed them. I don't expect the governor to veto uh, this legislation or to just let it go into law without his signature. Um, I expect I expect that he'll sign it. All right. Let's move but on. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we, we've been yeah. surprised before. Yeah. Uh, the AG, uh, along with the Republican uh, Women's Caucus, who's got some great members, by the way, um, just yesterday stood up and said, hey, look, uh, we're going to protect women's sports here in the state of Arkansas. If you're a boy that's trying to, quote, transition to being a girl, and, and Jr., you know I have a hard time saying that, but they're trying to, uh, you can't uh, be part of you know, high school sports and run against females as a male. Uh, a lot of people are already asking, well, what does it do against federal law? And what it does, it throws it all into the courts where this can be uh, take, taken care of. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think that uh, the Attorney General and, and the Women's Caucus certainly raise an important issue. Um, and, and I think that, you know, look, just on the uh, you know, I think the very simple surface of it, you know, it's you, Dave. I'll put it this way: when when kids grow up, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, co-ed, uh, you know, soccer or whatever it might be when you're a little kid, right? You kind of grow up together. Mm-hmm. Girls play with boys, but at a certain age, you know, you you break away, and, and boys play on 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 boys teams, girls play on girls teams for a reason. And it's because, you know, the, uh, the you know, the bodies of, I mean, they, the, you begin to change, you know, and, and, and it does set the two apart. And, and I think that, you know, if you have a, uh, you know, a, a, an, an 18-year-old high school senior who is uh, male, um, but now identifies as female, and, and you put them on the girls basketball team absolutely uh it, there's a uh an advantage for that team or a disadvantage for those who are playing with this now uh you know uh, female uh you know identify self-identified person I, mean, I just there's a lot of issues here that need to be looked at and i do think there's a problem and i do think the courts are probably uh the absolute best place to go on this um but i think the the issue, Dave, you know, to most people and probably what frustrates a lot of people is that it does feel like a very simple, yep. uh, simple issue. It's not saying that you, you know, and again, I know other people feel different ways and everything like that, but it's not saying that you can't, you know, if, if you're if you're a male and you want to identify as female, it's not saying you can't do that. It's just saying you can't play you can't play high school sports with girls. I mean, because mm-hmm. you're just you're just built differently, um, and and so I just think that that's something that. 
you know, to most people seems simple. And to those who, who, you know, would tell me that, you know, uh, that, that it's not fair and that, you know, it's, it's bigoted or something like that. I mean, you know, I'm sorry they feel that way. I just, it's, it's a very simple, uh, it, it seems to be a very simple, um, situation here and i think there's some valid concerns and i think there needs there's a lot of questions that need to be answered before um you know uh, period right so yeah so here here's here's our last topic for today uh jason rapert sender uh has said that we should have a special session later this year the census uh, information will not mm-hmm. become available until probably september we should yeah. have a special session of the legislature to deal with redistricting. I agree with that, and uh, we want to make sure that we get this right. Everybody understand, this is the first time the Republicans will ever make these decisions, and That's it right. will happen uh, this next time. And the other thing is uh, with the Democrats saying, well, it's been so you know politicized in the past well if it's been politicized it's your party that's done it oh yeah 100 percent. we kind of joked about that this summer dave when when or uh, this past summer before the the elections with the open primary and uh the uh uh you know the the neutral so to speak um uh committee they were putting together about redistricting you know all the quotes were well you know uh, there's been gerrymandering on both parties in Arkansas. Like, well, no, there hasn't. <laughs> no, uh, you know, and that and so that's kind of the, the funny thing is you're right. It'll be Republicans' first uh, opportunity to do so. A- at the end of the day, it's it's very disappointing that we're not going to get these numbers until September. I think the state needs to start really kind of figuring out uh, what the map may look like now, so we can get a quick turnaround on this. I think a special session is what's going to be necessary. Um, But we're going to need to turn this around real quick because then a month later, uh, you're going to be filing for office. I got you. All right. We appreciate you, Jr. Have a good day. Go back. Lay down, take a nap. We'll talk to you later here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jr. Davis from Gilmore uh, Davis here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe and Duck coming up in uh, a few moments on the Dave Ellswick Show. seven o'clock hour here of the dave ellswick show good to have you along for the ride we've got uh, joe in the studio today and duck is back in the studio today he of course uh, has been under the weather and has had problems with his knee and all kinds of stuff he's back with us now and then we've got uh, joe here 
and uh, he wasn't here last week and there's a reason for that uh <laughs> for both of them uh we had so much snow on the ground that what, we, a little, a we couldn't bit of get snow? yeah that's the way i looked at it being from where i'm from but the way they look at it here in arkansas is not the same as the way they look at it in northwest indiana i'll just tell you that right now my thanks and i'm going to say his name nick missingale lives out in my my uh, area and he got out with his four-wheeler on tuesday with a plow on it and plowed out the streets so that we could actually just get out of the area and get out on highway five by tuesday you could move on five and 89 and get around but it still wasn't the best to, to drive on and then i went out on tuesday uh, and went to walmart why it was kind of <laughs> stupid on myself because there was nothing on the shelves they still don't have i i went yesterday and they still the the soda aisle there's yeah. very few sodas out there i i don't know what the problem look i've worked in the soda uh, uh factory there in fort worth texas and worked in the the area where you make the uh formulas up to make the different drinks and we could make thousands of cases in no time within an eight hour time i don't know what the problem is here in little rock money money what is it is it that they don't want to bring the people in and pay overtime well they can charge more no they want to charge more i i think a lot of that was delivery too dave yeah, yeah they, well, they I had, understand that they couldn't yeah. get out that last week. Well, it's not so much they couldn't get over there to it because the roads were passable. It's mm-hmm. when they got in the parking lots to unload the trucks. They couldn't yeah, get Kro- out of the parking lots. Kroger and Benton had two trucks stuck in the parking lot. Yeah. Really? They had no meat for two days. I'm going to give them credit over at the, the Walmart in Cabot. They got out yeah. and they scraped that they uh, parking job. lot. Yeah. They did a good job. It was the first time I'd gone into their parking lot, and they had big piles of snow. I, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. We come through the parking lot right here, and it still got big piles. Yeah. Well, it takes a while for those to go away. Yeah. You're going to have 70-degree weather, and you got an iceberg sitting in the middle of your parking lot, and that uh, caused problems. All right. Let's, uh, let's go and, and do our first question. By the way, 823-0965. Got a question about your car. Uh, these guys will uh, try to answer it for you. We'll start with Helen. She's got a 2009 Dodge Journey SXT six-cylinder, 3.5-liter engine. She said, "I had." Now this is a run-on sentence. There's one period in all of this. Uh, had the battery and alternator tested at uh, a local parts store. It was not bumper to bumper. A uh, bad battery replaced the battery with a brand new battery. Uh, the new battery now, all my dash lights, brake system, and engine all come on. Car still starts same rough run. Uh, drove it 40 minutes, 55 miles per hour, and stopped at a gas station, turned it off, Came back out, car won't start. No luck jumping with another car. Called a tow company 
$45 hook his uh, to his jump box, and it started up. I had an appointment 20 minutes from uh, where we were parked, went to the wrong lot, tried starting it right back up. Nothing came. Uh, they wouldn't start. Uh, came out of my appointment less than an hour. Car started. Uh, three weeks in my car. I drive to work. Uh, I, I think that's six nights a week. I always make sure I turn everything off before I shut the car off. All the battery stuff I read about this car, almost all the car doesn't start after sitting. Mine doesn't start after driving it. Help, help, please. Uh, evidently, they say Dodge has been aware of this problem since 2009 at least and hasn't done anything about it except continuing to make newer models, and they've got the same problems. Okay, so that was a real run-on question there well <laughs> can you make anything out of it well yeah we can make a lot out of that it's 09 dodge it's probably got a uh, uh what they call a totally integrated power module issue uh, most likely and, and they have a lot of trouble with those and, and it could be some other things too it could be a bad could be the key yeah alternator issue you know it's hard to tell exactly what the uh issue is if if you don't have an opportunity to do a little testing on it, Dave. Okay. Yeah, it, he's going to have to get it to a shop to find out what's wrong with it. Okay, well, she, I guess she's gone to a shop. I know she's gone to a parts store yeah, and got a new battery. That ain't going to work for her, no. I promise you. <laughs> now, she's going to have to get it to a shop, so it's got to have an hour or so of diagnostic to figure out what's wrong. So, you know, I got to figure this is just another case of what you all have talked about, and that is the world of batteries is totally different now for cars than they used to be. And Dodge is the world's worst day about a battery. Really? Well, there's yes. A, there, there's a lot of electronics in these late model cars, Dave, and, and, and you know, a battery, they, they, these cars, when you shut one of them off, let's just, let's just talk just a minute about this, Doug. You want to? Go ahead. You turn a you turn a late model car off, it could be forty five minutes to an hour before it goes completely asleep. Before so it goes it, dead. If you have if you have you can be in your house and making a drink after you get home from work <laughs> and at five o'clock, at six o'clock your car might be finally shutting down. Because it waits to see what's going on. Did you leave the vehicle? Did you exit it? Is any weight in the seat? It's looking at all these things. This module turns this one off. This module turns that one off. So it has all these memory sets. Everyone goes back to exactly like it was. And it's draining your down. battery while it does it. That's correct. And it has a constant 9-volt draw on it all the time. That's what keeps the memory alive in it. Is that why when I start my car, it's always charging? The battery is always, you know, used to be you'd see your your battery would charge, you'd be right there in the middle on the gauge. I'm never at the middle of the gauge. I'm always over the middle of the gauge. Well, what a lot of these late model cars have what they call uh, amp clamps on them. It knows how much amperage is in that battery, and it charges according to what how what much you're needs. using versus what's in it, right? Yeah. That way it doesn't use the alternator all the time and load the engine down because that's bad for fuel economy. So they'll turn that alternator on and off as needed. But that means that the battery's constantly working. 
you're not using the charge to run everything. You're using the battery to run it. And that's and why batteries don't last near as long as they used correct. to. They're constantly they're charged when they need to be, and then they run down. They charge when they need to be, and then they run down. Yeah, I was going to call you the other day because, <laughs> well, last week I didn't drive my car very much. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days I didn't even go out and start it up. Yeah. But when I did start it up, I noticed that the charge on my battery was way, way up. up. Yep. I mean, and way I'll up. I bet you you noticed a slight decrease in the cranking RPM. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that worried me. And I thought battery maybe my battery's good. going bad. It's it's a good sign that it possibly is, Dave. Yep. There's a lot of times you won't even get that warning. You'll go out and sit down and turn the key and it'll go click, 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 click. And that's, that's it. it. Okay, so I need to come over and let you guys test my batteries. What you're saying. Yes, exactly. And, all right. And but all vehicle has a nine volt draw on them all the time. All the time, because that keeps the memory in a computer alive, so it knows that you're getting in your car and you're going to drive. And remembers things like what radio stations you like and all exactly. of that kind of stuff. Keeps radio set. It keeps the shift pattern for you because. All these new cars learn a shift pattern, and that's the way they want to drive. Huh? Somebody else gets in it, it'll stumble and hurt and jerk on it, Joe, until it picks you. Until it picks it back up. Well, yeah, there. You know, there's a lot to be said about uh, a lot of the strategies these cars go through. Just like, uh, <coughs> you know, they they know how much you weigh when you sit in the seat, Dave. That way, it's it monitors that all the time. If one person gets out, and another person gets in it, starts the car, checks that. And because of airbag deployment, it doesn't want to deploy it too fast for a light person. You know, that way it can de- determine that as well as your driving habits, how you accelerate, how you drive. There's a lot of an adaptive strategy there to what these modules can learn about you, what you like, and how right. you like to drive. Got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe and Duck are here. <coughs> They're with Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers. They both own their own shops. We're going to talk to them further. I want to talk to them about bumper to bumper. This lady went over into a, a parts store and picked up a battery. Uh, there's more to picking up a battery than cranking amps now, correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, yes. uh, I, today's world, there, there are batteries out there you can buy that are cheaper than other batteries. But I'm going to tell you, this is very important for everybody that's listening out there. You need to put the specific battery back in your car that it was born with, that group size, not just because it'll fit in the hole, that particular group size with the OE amount of cold cranking amps. Yes. Because if you do not, like I said earlier, some of these computers monitor that battery. If you put a smaller amp battery in there, it's going to overcharge that battery because it's not coming up like it should. If you put a, a battery in there with too many amps in it, it's going to undercharge that battery, right, Duck? Yeah, it's kind of like when you, you know, the new tester I got, you have to go in there and put what series batteries it is and how many cold cranking amps. And a lot of them we have to put the temperature in Yep, and put all the that before to ever test the battery. Temperature of outside? Yeah, ambient temp. Yeah, whatever temperature is outside so it knows if the battery is hot or cold. Huh, interesting. Because when it charges, the battery gets hot as it charges. It puts heat in a battery and so... But, you know, that's why that nowadays batteries just don't hold up like they used to because they're they're actually overworked. 
Okay. And new batteries are better than what the old batteries used to be. They're a whole lot better. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's just part of life nowadays. If if you, if you have a battery and you go over here to one of these parts stores and they just throw a battery in there that's not the OEM o, original equipment manufacturer <coughs> manufacturer's equivalent, your car's the charging system's computer controlled. It'll either undercharge or overcharge that battery. If it overcharges that battery, it'll ruin that battery. It'll smoke it. If it undercharges that battery, you're going to have trouble keeping <coughs> it charged up properly. And when it does call for it, it's either over or undercharging it because it's the wrong battery. A lot of these cars, when you put a battery in it, we have to go in there with a scanner and tell it we've changed the battery. Because then it knows, all right, I, don't, I need to forget all that strategy on that old battery because we have a new one here. And if you don't put the right battery in it, right group size and cold cranking amps, it's not going to strategize properly. Uh, so I know that I've talked with you guys so much now mm-hmm. that I understand that, you know, you just got to put the same thing back in that you took out. Oh, Yes. And on, and a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't have a I don't have a problem with somebody installing a battery themselves. But if they put a battery in, they need to come into a place, uh, bumper to bumper certified service center, and say, "Look here, guys, I put this battery in. And let us make sure it's the right battery. And then if it does need some reinitialization, as far as with a scan tool, we can do that for them, right, Doug? Yep, no problem. Here's what I'll suggest. Just go to the Bumper Bumper Certified Service Center and let them start at A for you. Well, I, you know, I, I, I get a... <laughs> Just makes you know, sense. At, at my shop, we have a policy. If you bring your vehicle in and we test it and we're working on it and the battery's not any good, we're going to put a new battery in it. And if you don't want us to replace that battery, we're not working on that vehicle. Because well, you can't road test it, and you don't want your tech worrying about it dying or something happening at stop sign and not wanting to start back. You yeah. got a drivability problem or something else wrong? The battery's bad. First thing we got to do is fix the battery. Yeah, and another thing too, Joe, I get them in there all the time, out of gas. Yeah, they're bringing them in on empty. Mm-hmm. And knowing I got to go road, I got to go drive it to figure out what's wrong. Sure. Then I had to stop down there and put ten dollars worth of gas in it so my guy can drive it. Yeah, you yeah, don't, you don't have a pump at in. your shop, right? No. <laughs> you don't want us to put gas in it. I promise you. No, because I'm, I'm going to double it. That's correct. Yeah. Got to pay somebody to do that. All right. We'll be back. We got more to talk about. You got a question? 823-0965. Don't forget Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers use Bumper to Bumper Parts. Those Bumper to Bumper Parts have a two-year, 24,000-mile warranty. Or if you use a Bumper to Bumper card... You have a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty on them. Remember, if you have a question, all you have to do is dial in at 823-0965. 823-0965, and Joe and Duck uh, will try to help you out. Gene has a 2002 Ford F-150 XLT, eight-cylinder, 5.4-liter engine in it says i can't locate the replacement catalytic <coughs> converter he says i need the 4r 120 20 bolt to fit around the transmission since this is a dumbed down version of the f250 sd can i use that catalytic converter won't work okay it's different i've tried it 
You tried, huh? Yeah. Evidently, go, he's saying this is really hard to, get, to find well, these converters. You can find the aftermarket ones. You just got to make sure that it has the the correct amount of catalytic in it. If it don't, you'll get an insufficient flow, which you know all about. Yeah, that, Dave. you know all about that. Um, but they do. Uh, <laughs> bumper bumper does have them. If they don't, they can order it and have it in probably yeah. three or four days at the most. And they have to take it somewhere and get them welded on because they don't have the flanges. We just take and cut cut the flange off, unbolt the flange, stick it to the front, weld it, yeah. and then stick them back in. Okay. I mean, that sounds but crazy. You man. won't okay. find the one. For, uh, Ford don't have them. They don't have them. No, they don't have them. They require that you put it on their cars, but they don't have them. Yes. Well, you're talking about a 19-year-old vehicle. Yeah. That's, that's true. I, I look at 2002. I yeah. don't think 19 you, obsolete. years. That's correct. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they're but, not going to. Uh, most manufacturers, you won't see them supporting a lot of parts after 10 years. Yeah, most of them after seven they don't years. They sell enough of that's them. That's what so I should say. Gonna do it. A lot of the <laughs> dealerships, if your car is over 10 years old, they won't even make an appointment with you. I get Ford sending to me all the time. Yeah. So does General Motors. Yeah. They don't yeah. want to deal with that stuff. Well, especially because, if it's a diesel with a 6.0 in it. Yeah. Ford sent them right on down to me. That's it. Why is that? I mean, is it cost? They ain't got nobody knows how to work on them. <laughs> They're 20-something years old, and they don't have any parts for them. Yeah. They don't oh, stock any okay. parts. And, and a lot of the parts they're not available anymore because they don't support it anymore so yeah. if they've got to go somewhere else to buy the parts instead of the ford they're not making their money well basically that's part they of it they don't want to they don't want the hassle they don't want to warranty an aftermarket part okay under a ford warranty All which right. actually aftermarket warranty just like you know if you go over to the ford dealership and have a part put on it's 12 months twelve thousand miles yeah, you go over to Sonny's and, and get a and you get a two a year, part, you get two years, years three yeah. years. Yeah. You know, you can you get better warranty there yeah. than you get at the dealership. It's kind of weird about that. Well, you do it a bumper to bumper too. Yeah, bumper to bumper. That's <laughs> exactly right. I didn't want to make it sound like bumper to bumper didn't have the parts they do. All right, two thousand seven Ford Escape XLT four cylinder, two point three liter. We're going to have about one minute here. Let me let me give you a question and give you the time to think about it. And then we'll come back after the break, after Rush. Uh, he says, I got a parasitic draw every four days. Every four days, my new battery's dead. I took the radio and fuse out. No change. Alternator's good. I've tried alternator leaving out each fuse at times. Also tested battery with meter while pulling the fuses. So that's what he's given to you. We'll see if that's enough for you guys to tell him what a problem it might be. And then uh, when we come back, we've got a Mini Cooper, and I know that Joe and Duck are all excited about that. Um, <laughs> it's too bad Ryan's not here. He'd really love getting his paws into that one. But we'll come back and talk about this parasitic draw and that it's happening every four days. That should be a little bit of a, a lead into the answer of the question. We're going to get to Rush. We got uh, Rush's morning update, and then when we come back, we'll have more for you here in just a moment on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show with Joe and Duck. The phone number again: eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. That's the number to call if you've got a question for the guys. They'll be ready to take you on and give you an answer. 
All right, 25 minutes uh, until 8 o'clock, 823-0965. Got a question? Here's your opportunity. Talk to Joe from Joe's Garage over on Crystal Hills Road or talk to Duck from Duck's Garage down in Benton. And uh, he is on Fairlane. Airlane. I got it right. Airlane Drive. Airlane. I. <laughs> Why did you call it Airlane? Why didn't you make it Fairlane? It just makes sense that it'd be Fairlane. It was there before I got there. <laughs> well, you bring all the business down And, there. Dave, do you know that is a state road? It is? State maintains it. That's the old road that used to go through Benton. So did they come through and plow it for you? No. <laughs> City of Benton did, though. Something told me that you weren't going to have that. Oh, City of Benton did? Yep. They come through and plowed it. But that is a state-maintained road. What did they plow it with? Did they have a, a garbage truck with a plow? No, they got dump trucks with spreaders in them and okay. plows on the front. They actually have a few of those? How many do they got? Do you know? Four, I think. Well, good for them. County's got about 13 or 14. I have no idea. I know that there was at least one plow out uh, in Faulkner County because I saw it one day coming up five. It was knocking off some of the heavier ice that was not melting quick enough for them. Mm-hmm. The thing they weren't doing, which kind of surprised me, maybe it did you too, Joe, 89 and 5, which is a major intersection, mm-hmm. they never plowed that out. That's City of Cabot. Is that the City of Cabot? I, that's true because that was, and it comes down to who. Cabot goes all the way up past Magnus Creek. I know that, but for county, for county too, who takes care of which side of the road on Highway 5? <laughs> well, yeah, one, part's good, in Cat, yeah. one part's in in uh, Lone Oak and the other part is in Pulaski. Yeah. That's what took so long to get that, that uh, light there at 89 and 9. Yeah. Both the judges had to get together and yeah. depend on how decided how much you're going to pay. That happened after the cheerleaders got killed yeah. there. Yeah, that was we're going to put a roundabout there and take all that light out. That make it better. <laughs> they may do. Don't that. give them any ideas. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that would be crazy. Okay, uh, this 2007 Ford Escape. I talked about parasitic draw. Every four days, the new battery got us dead. I took the radio and the fuse out. No change. The alternator is good. I've tried the alternator, uh, leaving out each fuse at times. Also tested the battery uh, with a meter while pulling the fuses. Uh, That's not a whole lot of information there, guys, but any guesses? Oh, I got about 15, really. <laughs> okay. I got a whole head full. Yeah. He, you know, first off, I know he said he's tested the battery. We're back to the question. Four days, the battery's dead. That's a, that, that would have to be a very, very small draw. Yes. Now, you've got a lot of things that can draw intermittently, which means when it just sets out there, is something not going to sleep properly? Does it come back to life after the battery and the vehicle set for a while? I had one of these, mm-hmm. and it was doing that. And finally, I told the customer, I said, look, you're just going to have to leave it with me. I'll check it every morning and see. The dome light, the left door switch was bad. Damn switch. And it turned the dome light on during the middle of the night, run to suck the battery down. Yeah. And it took four to five, four to five days before yeah. we caught it. Yeah. Every morning, we'd go out and check it, crank it. Everything was fine. I think the fourth morning or the fifth morning went out, and the battery was dead. And we got to looking, and the dome light was real dim. Yeah. 
and it had a door switch bad. Put a door switch in it, and they had no more problem. A door switch drew enough power. Well, it turns on that 12-volt light up there in the, in the roof. It okay. the door's open, and that, and that comes into play for a lot of things because of the security issues on it. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, you've got that door jam switch don't work that light. It goes over to the body uh, control, body control module. module, tells it that door's open, turn that light on. Yep. And, and so, you know, intermittents are hard to find, but... And it's probably above his head trying to find that and fix it. I'll be honest with you, Dave. Yeah. He needs to bring it into one of the bumper bumper certified service centers. And yeah, he's going to spend some money to, to get it diagnosed because our time is, is time. You sure. Know? We have to charge for it. But it, Well, you know, that's like that one, Dave. I had it, I had it for five days before it messed up. And we checked it every morning. Russell set it right beside the front window. And every morning, as soon as he got there, he'd go out and bump key crank fine and then that one morning it was dead and got to looking and the dome light was on and put a door switch in it and ain't never had no more trouble and it was done and you got to pull the panel off that to put a door switch in it it's made into the latch yeah it's made in the latch it's replaceable the switch is but you got to pull the door panel off to fix it but and that's probably what's going on here because ford has been no tours for this yeah, problem crazy about that oh, the four, uh, door switches yeah Okay. They're little bitty micro switches, and they get a little dirt in them and a little moisture because it's right there by the window and it corrodes them. And excuse me, they don't work right, Dave. All right. Well, yeah. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. James has got a 2007 Mini <coughs> Cooper. I know you guys are excited about this question. Four cylinder, a 1.6 liter engine. I accidentally drove my car in manual sport mode. That is what they give us as their headlight headline. Uh, so basically, I wasn't paying attention, accidentally shifted into the manual sport mode on my 07 Mini Cooper. After about two to three minutes and some acceleration, I noticed my car was being louder than usual. I pulled over and noticed that I wasn't in drive. So I put it in drive and I drove home. The first five to seven minutes was okay. But once I was on the highway accelerating to about 70 miles per hour, my car started to vibrate and shake. Then my acceleration wasn't working like it normally does. My foot was almost all the way down on the gas, and it was not going at the rate that it should be. While in park, I noticed that my car still rattles and gives off a deep rumble noise. <laughs> Did I miss up, mess up my car? Is this fixable? The answer is yes and yes. Yes. Okay, you messed it up and it's fixable. You put that in manual sport mode, the transmission, you actually have to manually shift it. So if he put it in manual sport mode, even on purpose or by accident, and make any difference and take it out there and put it on the freeway and try to drive it 70 miles an hour. Yeah. He's, he's overread the engine, damaged the engine's most likely what happened to it, eh? Yeah, I got to, could have yeah. jumped time, could have. Yeah. I mean, it's all fixable, but it's, yeah. you know. It won't be cheap. Oh, no. no. But, but, you know, his question is, did he mess it up and is it fixable? The answer is yes and yes. Okay. You know? And he's got to bring it to somebody and let somebody look at it, like Ryan or Joe. I don't work on them. I mean, if I occasionally do. but If it's not a, a, a car that looks like a car, you don't work on it. Well, I don't work on <laughs> I work on a few cars, but most of mine is diesel, right. gas pickups, 18-wheelers, anything in between. So, you know. It, you know, but Ryan or Joe, you know, they've got people that's worked on them and, you know, 
it's better off taking someone nobody's you know well, ryan is really into the oh absolutely the mini yeah. coopers i mean he is a person <laughs> since there's no dealership now in little rock the closest place you can take for like oil changes that you're supposed to get and all that is over in memphis except that ryan will do them for mm-hmm. you right here over on what henson road here in in little rock well it's kind of like mitsubishi fuso I've got a bunch of customers that's got them. There's no dealer in the state of Arkansas. You either got to go to Oklahoma City or you got to go to Memphis. Oh, my God. Or to uh, Dallas. You know, and I have, I do have the equipment. It's being updated. I had to send my machine off to Mitsubishi Fuso for them to update it, and I haven't got it back yet because I got one sitting there and need the death module programmed. But they usually takes about six weeks time i get it sent off and get it back it's been gone about three now so i'll get it back and it'll be updated i do have the izuzu software now to program any izuzu you need to program took me nine months fighting with izuzu to get it you I had, were calling joe izuzu yeah every joe day for how many months about nine months before i had to prove to him how many izuzu i worked every day on really yes and they finally give it to me heidi you're not old enough to know who joe azuzu is but he made a mini commercial all day he did he made a lot of commercials and made a lot of money doing it yes sir he retired off of how he made you don't see him anymore i i don't even know other than uh azuzus i see on the road that are work related for companies yeah. i don't even see them on the road anymore. there's no izuzu vehicle car in arkansas now there's izuzu trucks but there's no car izuzus in arkansas that i know of the pickups or anything yeah huh? the pickups are you know little cars and remember stuff those like little that. pickups they made yep you know? they sold a many of them they, they sure did i got a good friend still got a decent one really he drives it every day it was a pretty good car from and what Dave, I guess what color it is it's about to yellow. Yeah, that yellow. Yeah, yellow was their big color <laughs> yep. for the pickups. It really was. Okay. Uh, we'll get more of your questions. 823-0965. When we come back, why is white smoke coming off of my radiator? Ooh, sounds interesting. We'll uh, get to that question when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Say Clarity uh, Residential Cleaning. Look, uh, they do a great job of deep cleaning homes, uh, fi- up to 1,500 square foot. It's 200 bucks. Uh, 2,500 square feet, you're looking at 300 bucks. except it will save you uh, half of that. Uh, you call us at 404-6560. Talk to uh, 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 Chuck, and he gets here after uh, 9 o'clock. Now, if he doesn't answer the phone, just leave him a message. He'll get right back to you. And uh, that two hundred dollars certificate becomes a hundred, and the three hundred dollar one becomes one fifty, and you can get a great cleaning deal at a really, really reasonable price with Saint Clarity Residential Cleaning. Give them, uh, give us a call four zero four sixty five sixty. Get your uh, certificate today. All right, guys, I've got a question from Troy. He's got a two thousand and six. Hyundai Elantra GLS four-cylinder, two-liter engine. He says, why is white smoke coming off of my radiator? A week ago, I replaced the thermostat in my car. 
because no hot air was blowing out of my vents. After the thermostat was installed, the issue was resolved. However, a few days ago, the radiator started smoking after I had parked it, and I noticed coolant had sprayed everywhere around the engine. It also appeared to me that the reservoir had lost a little coolant as well. So I drove it again today to test it, and the same thing happened. However, not nearly as much coolant leaked out as before, probably because a lot leaked out the day before. Uh, And the past week that I drove the car, the engine never overheated. Some other things that I noticed is that only the top radiator hose was hot, and the one leading into the engine is barely warm at all. Also, the radiator fan will only seem to turn on when the AC is on and not when the heat is on. If anyone can help me with that problem, I would greatly appreciate it. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to my Sherlock Holmeses here, and you've given them several clues. Yeah, there are several clues there. Uh, first off, the upper hose will be hotter than the lower hose because the water comes in to the top. radiator from the top, and it circulates, and it goes back in from the bottom. And if they were equally hot, that means the radiator's not doing its job, not cooling that water off. Yep. Number two, uh, most likely, you know, coolant leaks leak out the point of least resistance. So if you stop a leak over here, and the age of that vehicle tells me that most likely the top tank on that radiator is cracked. What do you think? Doug? It's plastic, and the white smoke is antifreeze burning off because uh-huh. it's you know doing what it's supposed to. And like you say, Joe, the top hose is hot. It goes down through the radiator. The cold air cools it. Because if both hoses was hot, you're going to have engine overheating problems. Mm-hmm. Probably needs a radiator in it. Dave needs to take it to the shop, let them pressure test it up, and you'll find a top tank crack right underneath the yeah. upper hose. Yeah, that's that's normal. <laughs> the, these radiators are aluminum core with plastic tanks, top and bottom, or side to side, whichever one you got, a up and down flow or a, a cross flow. But but the tanks are plastic and and. They get brittle from heat. Heat to cool, heat to cool. Cold, and, you know, eventually that, every time the engine gets hot, it expands. When it gets cold, it contracts, and eventually that plastic gets brittle, and it cracks. Cracks. And starts leaking. Dave, and on 18 wheelers now, got plastic radiators on. Yep. Plastic tanks on them. They're the same, they have the same problem. After about seven, eight years, they get, they crack out. Well, you don't rot them out anymore. You just pull them out and put a new one in. Put another one in it and go on. You know, and we have people ask, well, I looked at, you know, they parked this in my garage at my house and say, all right, I drove it and, I, and I've been driving it for five or six or seven years. Then one morning I get up and I start it. And while it's sitting out there, before I get out of the garage, I see fluid leaking out. I would get out and look and raise the hood up and it's leaking out around the radiator. How did that happen? It wasn't leaking the night before. That's because when you started it that next morning, where it sat out there that night, that cold expansion, excuse me, contraction, and the the next morning you start it and it starts warming up, it expands and that plastic just splits. Cracks wide open and and most of them Elantres I've seen, it's always right beside the upper radiator hose. You look right below it, you can see a little crack in it and and that's why it's white smoking because it's letting antifreeze out on the radiator and the core is hot, so it that's what turns into mm-hmm. white smoke makes those steam come out. Okay, so it's not magic smoke. It's just smoke coming from evaporation. 
overheating. Yeah, burning, he, he's not overheating because his, you know, that 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 car right there is not going to turn that engine cooling fan on until it gets about 210, 12, 15 degrees. Yeah. Not even going to turn it on. Yeah, so, come on with the AC, but this is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it's not got high the head enough pressure's yet got high. to run. So. All right. Next Check question. your radiator and you'll find your problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Mason has a 2005 Honda Civic DX4 1.7 uh, uh, liter engine. He says, I just installed a new exhaust manifold, which is a two-in-one part with a cat converter located just off the engine block under the hood. I got it all buttoned up, started the engine, and just a mere few seconds later, it started smoking. Not a ton, but enough to make me uncomfortable. It's white smoke. It didn't look like an exhaust leak, but more like something was burning on the outside. It's possible there's a leak, but it didn't appear that way at first glance. So my question is, is this normal for new cat converters, or is there a serious problem that I need to address? It's normal. Most of them have got some kind of coating on them to keep them from rusting when they're sitting on the shelf. Okay. And it's just normal. You just crank it up and get in and go drive it and let it burn it off. Ain't going to hurt nothing. It won't catch on fire. Will it stink? Yeah, it'll have a little smell to it. But Well, you have to understand he's working on it, too. So if he took the old one off and put the new one on and he had a little grease or oil or anything on, like his, hands. on his hands, it's going to cook that off there. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them have a some kind of a shiny coating on them. It's kind of cosmoline. Yeah, something, something other, and, yeah. and it'll stink. But you yeah. know, cosmoline is that what yeah, it's called? I think that's what that's they what it's called. A lot of uh, metal products, which a thin oil coating to keep them from uh, rusty. Rust, yeah, okay. keep you know the rust down while they're sitting on the ship. Mm-hmm. Or in you the know, box or whatever. The military, Dave. They mm-hmm. used to. I used to do a bunch of rear ends and stuff for them, and. Uh, I had a, a 55-gallon drum, a half full of that stuff, and anything I built, I had to set it down in there, the whole thing, and pull it back out and put it in the box and send it back to them. It had to be cosmoline and wrapped in plastic. Oh, my. That's so it won't rust, you know, because they may be crossed upon or, you know, whatever. And no good to them if it's rusted. Nope. But we had, and I built many rear ends for them and transmissions for the federal government, and but they all had to be cosmoline. All right, here's one we don't get every single day. Guys, you got a 2003 Oldsmobile Alero GX four-cylinder 2.2-liter engine in it. I'm changing the fuel pump on this car, and I have the gas tank straps unbolted. Everything is disconnected, and the gas tank won't budge. Barely moves half an inch anyway. What do I do? Stuck to the rubbers just got to pry it off don't you joe well it's the only thing i can think of duck there's some insulation that goes across the top of the tank where it goes up to the body to keep it from being metal to metal yeah so it doesn't vibrate and rub or get and a lot of times that that stuff will get from the age of that vehicle to an 03 so you know it's going on 18 19 years old it's probably just from age is stuck yeah it's stuck to the rubbers, the rubbers one side of it's coming down but during just get a hold of it and work it and keep wiggling might, jiggling and it'll, yeah. it'll come down you yeah. finally give up the ghost yeah. it's okay. got on the straps above it it's got a rubber strap dave that you know stops the tank from wiggling is rubbing a hole in it and it's over the years the heat got to it and just stuck it interesting you just had to pry around on them that ain't nothing uncommon okay 
Don't worry about it. Just a little bit of elbow grease. It sounds like keep whittling, jiggling it. It'll come off. Yeah, you know, I've seen them things come in before, especially on some four wheel drives and stuff. And there'll be so much mud packed up under there. And I'm telling you, that's a dirty job when you have to work on one of them. Especially one of them mutters, you know. Uh, okay. You get to wear about half what's got it stuck up there before you get it down. That's where you walk back there, find your place on the frame rail when you got it up in there, and take your hammer and start beating on the frame rail. And then you clean the floor up, and then you can work on it. Okay. And that's why you wear your safety glasses. Yes. Yeah. That's to get something in your eye. All right. Dustin's got a 1994 Ford Explorer XT. Well, we got a minute. We can't get to the answer of this. Just have to wait the next week. We'll carry it over to next Thursday. We can do that. Don't forget Car and Truck Doctors uh, on on Saturday. We'll be in studio because the roads won't be all uh, nasty the way they have been over the last few days. Or there's not a holiday. So we'll be here live and ready to answer your questions then. We start at 9 o'clock in the morning. I think maybe Ryan is going to be here uh, this coming week. I think that uh, last week would have been Kenneth and uh, and Gary. So Ryan would be coming up here uh, this coming week. But Joe and, and Duck will get their turns again here in just a few weeks. Yep. And it's good to see Duck again. He's been sick. We're glad that he's back. We're glad that Joe's here. And I'll see you uh for car and truck uh, questions on Saturday. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., right here on the Dave Ellswick Show.